You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, Alana Levine here. Together with Sam Mayer, I host How to Be More Chill, a podcast devoted to our beloved musical, Be More Chill. Listen, I just want to tell you that if you're around the weekend of January 25th, go to BroadwayCon. All of the fabulous podcasts that are part of the Broadway Podcast Network are going to be there live, interviewing your favorite stars, and BroadwayCon is just a blast. So get yourself to BroadwayCon, find the Broadway Podcast Network events, and if you love Broadway, you're going to love this weekend. Or pretend to check a text on my phone. Hey everyone, I am Alana. And I'm Sam. And we are two people who had a mutual love for a show called Be More Chill. And we decided that we would like to find a place where we could bring others who love Be More Chill as much as we do. All of the behind the scenes with all of its creatives. And we thought a really great way to do that would be to have a podcast. Mm-hmm. And we have called that podcast How to Be More Chill. Never hung with a girl like you before. I don't know if you know it, but I am sure that for me you are an upgrade. 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 It's be each other's upgrade. I have a podcast called Little Known Facts with Alana Levine. Sam has a media company called... Yes, Broadway, which is a media company that tries to introduce a a new audience to Broadway and New York City theater. And the reason this is such a perfect segue is that there is a whole new audience coming to see Broadway now because of this show called Be More Chill. The story of Be More Chill and why it's such a miracle, as far as we are both concerned, is that... This is coming to Broadway in really an orthodox way. Totally fan-driven. It's not like a New York Times review that was really great, got a show to Broadway, or producers with a lot of money got a show to Broadway. This is a show that is arriving on Broadway because the fans demanded it. So this was a show that was done in a regional theater in 2015, and a cast recording was made by Ghostlight Records of Be More Chill written by Joe Trace and Joe Iconis, based on Ned Vizzini's YA novel by the same name. And everything just kind of goes away, and life continues for everyone involved in that show until... Tell me how it's been described. If you fed Dear Evan Hansen to the plant in Little Shop of Horrors, the love child would be B. Marchell. Sam and I thought, what if we could harness all of the goodwill, fandom, talent, and remarkableness of all the people involved in bringing this show to Broadway and have a place where they could come and tell their stories and we could share them with you, our listeners, and it's happened. So we're going to dive in and tell you how to be more chill. Our first interview is with Joe Iconis, who is the composer lyricist for Be More Chill. We wanted to start with his interview because we wanted to orient everyone with the idea of what happened when this idea to turn Be More Chill, which was a a YA novel from the 90s, going from idea to the production at the True River Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. He's told us stuff neither of us knew. And we kept looking. Sam and I look at each other during the interview like, did he just say this? 
is he saying this? It's, it's so wild. incredible. And it's emotional and it's funny. And uh, we are off to an incredible start. Let's do this, Joe Iconis. Hi, how's it going, guys? We're really excited to have you. And, and Sam and I were talking a little bit about sort of where to begin for your episode mm-hmm. and what will be chapter one of what I like to think of the criterion version <laughs> of the Be More Chill nice. experience. Yeah. Um, so I would ask you this. When did you first become aware of the following? A book called Be More Chill and... A writer named Joe Trace. I first became aware of uh, a book called Be More Chill in, I think it was uh, 2011. And uh, my agent uh, at the time, Scott Chaloff, he had read the book and he liked it a lot and he uh, gave it to me. And it, you know, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, you know, here, take this book. Uh, to adapt it into a musical for such and such company. It was more of like, a, I read this, it reminded me of you. I think you'd like it. You might be inspired by it in some way. And at that time in my uh, in my life and career, I was kind of in this in-between place. I had just done a whole bunch of shows, sort of one after another, and they all, uh, they, they all were uh, sort of... Um, uh, disappointing professionally for one reason or another. And so I was kind of in this place of wanting to uh, try some new things. And, and I was just, I was, I, you know, I'm, I've always been so like uh, in my own head about my, about my art and about my inspirations, like where things come from. Um, that at this time in my life, I was trying to force myself to just be open to sort of receiving things from, from other people, you know. Was this the first time you had thought about adapting another person's work i had adapted a children's book uh called the plant that ate dirty socks for theater works usa uh, and so i had i had had that experience and uh that was sort of a, a strange fraught uh experience where the author of the original book was 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 very involved and um and was very uh sort of upset about uh her character's uh singing she just sort of didn't like the <laughs> She didn't like the whole idea of these characters she created singing. Uh-huh. It was very off-putting to her, um, <laughs> which made me feel like, why, why on earth did you? I don't understand yes. anything that's what... happening right now, except <laughs> she's works. wrong on so many levels. I think so, too. All right. Mm-hmm. So that was like a strange experience, but that was sort of its own weird beast. I had never, uh, I'd never adapted uh, uh, you know, a novel as a, as a sort of full-length musical before. Um, and so, uh, so I read the book. And it, uh, I, I loved it, and it just made so much sense to me, both as material uh, that was ripe for musicalization, but just as a piece of art. You know, I thought that Ned Vizzini's uh, voice was so strong in a way that was really exciting to me. Uh, and, you know, in, in previous, you know, before that, uh, there was a part of me that was always a little bit nervous about adaptation because I, I myself have a 
have a voice that, um, you know, whether you like it or not, is fairly strong <laughs> in my work. And so I always felt like, oh, I don't know, you know, what would th- what would that be like to adapt something where I, I feel like I have to sort of mesh with someone else's voice? Would that just be this strange sort of battle? Or, um, But for, you know, for some reason, when I read Be More Chill, it just felt like, oh, yeah, I know exactly how I would do this. And I know exactly how huh. this would this would sound and how it would feel and um it just it just kind of felt like yeah i i love this and i i actually do want to make this into a musical um and was, just was that part of the experience of reading the book what, what during it was some percolations like tell me about reading the book or are you are you laying in bed are you at home are you out and about like do you remember reading the book yeah i um so i'm a terrible reader like it's uh i just it takes me so long to to read anything um, because I'm always like sort of distracted and my mind's in a million different places and uh, and so I anytime I have to read something even things that I read you know for for fun I have to like force myself to mm-hmm. sit down and read like it's homework and so be more chill I um, I read I read it in a few sort of sittings right and so I don't remember the f- where I was like the first time I picked it up but I read the bulk of be more chill at um, this this place called the Cupcake Cafe on Ninth Avenue, uh, which isn't there anymore, uh, and I never went to the Cupcake Cafe prior to that. I have no idea why I went there to read Be More Chill, and that's the only time I was ever there in my entire life. The Cupcake Cafe, which is now not there anymore, but Port Authority, um, and I read Be More Chill, and it was um, actually it was December. It was December because I was going to a Christmas party later that night, and I said to myself, you need to finish this book before you go to this Christmas party. Your reward for finishing will be <laughs> you get to go to the Christmas party. Yes, exactly. I get to eat peppermint bark in Brooklyn. I love peppermint bark in Brooklyn. I do too. Was the thought ever that you would write the whole thing? Um, Book, no lyrics, music. No, and that that was never the thought because at that time in my life, I had just I had written I'd written Black Suits book music lyrics and Blood Song of Love book music lyrics and Plant That a Dirty Socks actually book music lyrics and the show called Rewrite book music lyrics and so I was looking to collaborate with someone who was not myself because uh, you were exhausted. I was exhausted and I felt a palpable sense from industry people around me that uh, people were sort of rolling their eyes at me as someone who was like, oh, he thinks he can do it all. Like, you know, it's sort of, it, it, it had this this connotation of like, you know, it's no one is successful writing book music and lyrics. Like, you know, of course there are exceptions to that. Um, but uh, that the sort of musical theater thing, or at least, you know, years ago was very much like you would never write all three by yourself. And if you think you're going to write all three, you're just this egomaniac. Right. And, Even Bernstein worked mm-hmm. with Sondheim. <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. Just by the way. <laughs> yeah. Gotta bring Sondheim in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, and, and in fact, every time <laughs> listeners you hear Sondheim, just take a shot <laughs> of anything. Of really. anything. Yeah. Of yes, literally of anything. <laughs> um, so the Joe Trace connection. I know. Uh, I know this, and maybe listeners, new listeners, or new new lovers of Be More Chill and and diehard fans may know that you and George Salazar. Uh, who plays Michael mm-hmm. in Be More Chill, had a friendship that grew even before this show. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, talk to me about 
how you knew Joe Trace. Had you seen Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief? Was that a, a piece of theater that you were aware of of his? No, I mean this. My my first meeting of Joe Trace predated Percy Jackson. I uh, I knew of him, and I read I read a play of his. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of this play. I think it's Boy Wonder. Um, and so I was aware of his of his work, and so many people had told me that I would love uh, this other Joe who was sort of writing similar things to me in that he was writing about young people and he was writing these uh, these plays that were really influenced by film and were very genre. And he had sort of come through Ars Nova where I had also come through. And so um, I you know, was so, so aware of him, I had just never met him. And uh, when I went back to my agent uh, and said, you know, I actually really love this book and I, I think I might want to make this into a musical, he said, um, okay, great. Uh, have you thought about a book writer? And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. Is there anyone who you, you know, who you think? And he was like, I think Joe Trace, this playwright, would be a great person. And I was like, oh my god, I I love Joe Trace and I've heard he's great and I want to meet him. And so we uh, we met. And it was just it was it was just the easiest meeting. You know, I've been on so many like sort of blind dates with uh, with artists over the years. And sometimes, you know, the blind date goes really well. And then the actual collaboration is a catastrophe. And sometimes the blind date goes horribly. Uh, but the the my meeting with Joe Trace, we met at the Cornelia Street Cafe, which is going to close in a month. Um, so apparently, um, anything me- that starts with a C, <laughs> and anything that it right, we have Cornelia Street Cupcake, mm-hmm. Cupcake Cafe, Cafe. Yeah. and yeah. if you've been there, you're blowing it up, man. I just am. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. They become legendary. They, yeah. I think <laughs> it's, it's like better. It's we've like... got Joe Iconis here. Yeah. Now we can close. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've said it. our piece and counted to three, yes, exactly. and that's that. And that is that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had this meeting, and it was. I feel like by the end of the meeting, we just sort of said, okay, great. So you want to write the show together? He's like, yeah, let's do it. So he had read the book Mm -hmm. in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. And Joe was more familiar with the book than I was because he uh, worked at Barnes & Noble uh, through and and past college and was uh, super aware of the sort of YA lit scene, um, which I wasn't really. He probably likes reading. He he loves reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not homework for Joe Trace. <laughs> he does not need little <laughs> prizes at the end of a chapter to <laughs> yeah. keep him going. No, no, so, no. So you got Joe Trace kind of like you you were almost the impetus because you tell your agent, yes, mm-hmm. I want to do this, um, and then Joe Trace becomes involved. What was it for you that made that really resonated with you that said, yes, I do want to turn this into a musical? It was a few things. The first uh, was the the characters. I really loved the specificity of all the characters. I loved how um, how surprisingly complex uh, they, I thought they all were. You know, I um, I had I had written the black suits before this, and so I had sort of done the like you know teenage angst thing. Uh, and had written, you know, a bunch of songs, standalone songs about young people, and I, I love writing young people. But um, when I, when I, you know, started getting into be more chill, I felt like, oh, these characters, these characters are 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 so they're they're in the same world as characters that I've I've written, but are so specific and so unique. And the weirdness of them was the thing that made me 
um, sort of perk up immediately, you know. And I, what I loved about them is that they sort of they all the characters started from a, um, a, a more uh, archetypal place um, than than uh, than characters that I was sort of used to writing. And I loved that it, it the book was sort of playing on these archetypes. So it's you know it's you have the what you who you would perceive to be you know the jock, and you have who you would perceive to be the like stoner best friend. And then the deeper you get in the story, you see all these shades of these people and you realize, oh, these people who, you know, high school you know, movies uh, or, you know, books or plays or whatever uh, typically sort of boil down to, you know, a couple buzzwords are actually more complicated than that. And I loved that so much. And uh, did Joe Trace sort of also have a very um, intensely uh, excited and... I can see myself writing this really easily and adapting this from the time he mm -hmm. read it as well. Like yeah. we both sort of had that same yeah. we could do this. Yeah. Let's we do just it. right, exactly. It just felt like, oh yeah, this is something that would be really good for us and we both just liked it so much. And the thing that we both really got excited about once, you know, you sort of get through like the you know, the characters and the, the story which is so cool was just this um the sci fi element of it was something that both of us was like, How cool would it be to to tell the story and really through the lens of yeah, a sci-fi yeah, yeah. experience, yeah, like dive into that uh, even more than the book, you know. And that was the other thing where I felt like the book was so so fantastic as a as a book, but um, it would you know just because of the you know, the way it's written and and the end of the book is sort of you know it becomes kind of about itself and it's like you're sort of reading this this log that um, that the squip has sort of downloaded for Jeremy to give to Christine, um, and so it's like you know we knew we have to change that for the stage anyway, so it felt like you know let's really deviate um from the from the book in the final third and just go like whole hog sci-fi which is something that i was sort of itching to do anyway and joe loved to do so it's just kind of you know interesting made so from much the sense. guy whose first probably musical was little shop of horse yeah yeah and what's so funny is that meaning the first thing he saw yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um i didn't write little shop of horse <laughs> contrary to popular opinion uh, I what's so funny about that too is that I uh, I truly never thought about Little Shop as I was writing Be More Chill, and and Joe Trace is also a huge Little Shop fan. We never talked about it. We never it just never came up. And then as soon as we you know did like the first full real reading of the show, everyone was like, oh, it's like Little Shop. It's like Little Shop. And we were so like, oh yeah, it's actually exactly like Little Shop, wow. um, and it is, you know, and I and we love that it is, but it so was not an intentional like, you know, homage in any way. Tell us about the process of collaborating. Mm -hmm. uh, did he go off and start writing the book, and you start writing songs? Did he have to write the script of the play first so that you could then know when to insert the songs? Mm -hmm. How did that go? Yeah, so we um, we started the whole process by talking a ton and and uh, really getting on the same page about the story we wanted to tell, the characters we wanted to sort of you know let loose in our story. Just because the book has so many characters, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a sort of more sprawling. Um, you know, landscape and when you're working on a, you know, musical or at least, you know, we felt like this wanted to be a show that didn't have, you know, 35 people in it. Like it wanted to be a, you know, a tighter experience. Where's uh, Dustin Croft? It's, yes, Dustin <laughs> seriously. Croft? Yeah. One mention I know, so many. So Is many. he big in the book? Um, Dustin, no, Dustin Croft I made up. Oh, you made up. Yeah, I made him up. Yeah. yeah. I was imagining he was this whole chapter of the book. No, no, no. I made him up because his name rhymed. 
that's a cool terrible name. a terrible secret yeah but um that's the kind of secrets we're looking for <laughs> <laughs> and so um we talked a ton talked a ton and then we had a couple sessions where we uh, we did the outline of the show together. And that actually kicked off with uh, this thing that Joe Trace did that um, I've never had another collaborator do before and I loved so much, which was he said, let's just both write down um, 10 things each on 10 index cards, just moments from the book that we love that we think should be in the musical. And so we both did that and then sort of like, you know, laid them all out and 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 talked many, about them. How many were the same? I have no memory. Okay. I wish, yeah. We have to like go back in the notes and figure out what was on the index yeah. cards, you know? I'm sure I have them somewhere. Yes. At the bottom of a box. Hoarder, but I don't hoarder that you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Borderline hoarder. <laughs> um but yeah, so we so it's you know, it's the the process, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super collaborative uh, in a- everything that I do, but this process in particular was so collaborative, and it was, it was such an amazing way to work because we, we both sort of set off, you know, in our own worlds, Joe and the, the, the book, and and me and the score, um, with the same idea of the show that we were making. We both were like, this is what the tone is. We both knew where the story was going to go. And, you know, and things, of course, sort of change and grow and, and all that. But we both we both knew what we were going after. And so that meant that we could kind of both, you know, work separately and then come together. And so Joe would sort of go off and write a scene. I would go off and write a song. Then we would, you know, kind of, you know, meet up and like put and see how they fit together. Um, you know, the first thing that I wrote for the show was uh, More Than Survive. The opening number and even with that you know we had talked about oh we want it to be this kind of you know sprawling starting in jeremy's bedroom and taking him through the whole first day of school and we want to meet every single character in the show and sort of get it all out of the way so the story can you know can 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 start uh and so i you know i wrote the song and it would be the kind of thing where I would, you know, I would, I would uh, write, you know, up through Jeremy singing, you know, come on, go, go, come on, go, go. And then, you know, in parentheses, Jeremy speaks to his dad. Maybe it's something about this, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then, you know, goes to school and then uh, Jeremy runs into this person at a locker. Perhaps they'll talk about something like that, you know, so, uh, and then Joe Trace would come in and be like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? So it was truly, uh, um, truly a collaboration in every, in every way. And these collaborations are usually like in person at a coffee shop in a, in your houses. It like... sort of it it sort of depends, you know. Um, I I'm so funny in that I am I am so I'm so collaborative as soon as I have have something to bring to the table. But I, my, my 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 process is like I need I need to be I need to just be like left alone. Uh, when I first start writing something, I just need some, I just need some like alone time. And that can mean, you know, me at a piano in a rehearsal room with 30 people where I'm just not speaking to anyone and I'm just like focused on the piano and just sort of tuning the world out. Or it can mean me, you know, in my apartment for three weeks and trying to work on a song. And then as soon as I have something, whether that's like, you know, the first verse of a song or a kernel of an idea or or a full song, then it's like all I want to do is like get in a room with, you know, a million people and start ripping it apart and and doing something with it. And so with, um, you know, with Trace, we worked a lot. We worked a lot in my apartment. We worked a lot in coffee shops. And then at a certain point, he um, became a a very successful television writer. And so he, uh, he left me behind and went to L.A., as many people have, 
Um, and he just left me to pick up the pieces of our love in New and York. He just oh. cash checks. Cash He's checks. Like, Let me snick it checks <laughs> over here, bulldozer. Just bring them right to the front of my house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could, the only way I could get him to write something was to pretend the script was a check. Neil like, Harris. <laughs> telegram from Neil, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, um, so, so we bury the lead, but that is what Joe Trace went off to write. Yes, 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 um, yes. He went off to write Lemony Snicket. Yes. But, but because we had such a great collaboration and because we really were so in sync and so you know we were we both wanted to make the same show which mm-hmm. truly isn't always the case in a collaboration on a new musical um you know I've, I've certainly been in collaborations where you sort of find out halfway through oh the show that this <laughs> this other collaborator nope. wants wants to make is just literally not nope, what not i want to do yeah yeah uh, it's it, you know perfectly great show it's just not the one that i'm making right. uh but it was so not that with trace and i and so we were able to do the long distance collaboration thing really easily so it kept going yeah i mean he left town but you were able to do it oh yeah from from kind of that first cornelia street cafe landmark moment Mm -hmm. uh to we are presenting our agent with a finished script Mm -hmm. how long was that process so the first and the first kind of presentation that we ever did was um, it was in 2012, and so it was probably like half a year after we first said, okay, we're going to work on this thing and, and actually write it, maybe a little bit longer, um, where Joe Trace and I are, are also both huge procrastinators mm-hmm. because we're so uh, we're so busy. Talented. Uh, <laughs> I was busy. And, yes, talented. and because talented, yes, yeah. that's a better, better yeah. word. Um, and so even though, you know, we were – you know, uh, 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 air quotes, working for six very months. Very hard, very <laughs> focused work. Yeah, yes. we. It was the kind of thing where you know, I wrote the opening number, and then I wrote, I wrote the script song. Uh, I think after that, and then you know, there was kind of a hiatus until like, like right I've, before. I've written two songs. I must rest now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two months yes. later. Yes. I need to feed yeah. the talent yes, some more. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so then, uh, so you know, we. I, I feel like "Be More Chill" was sort of written in spurts. You know, mm-hmm. where it was like there would be like these very sort of productive, you know, few weeks at a time. Um, we were turning out a lot of material, usually right before we were doing some kind of presentation. Sure, deadlines uh, are helpful. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and so, and so, the first you know presentation we ever did was the just a completely casual read through of uh, most of the first act of the, or actually it was like like the first half of the first act or something, and that was at um, the the William Morris uh, offices, which is our our, our our agency, Trace and I. Um, and it was just like a, uh, I'm gonna just grab some friends to you know read the script, and uh, and then I sang all the songs and just to show a couple people from Two River and my agent and stuff the 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 script. And in that reading, um, Will Rollins played Michael, uh, Lauren Marcus played Christine, uh, Eric William Morris played the Squip. Because um, you were at William Morris. It, yeah, exactly. So it was mandatory. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And I think, I forget who else. And this is you on the piano. Me on the piano, yeah. Seth Elliser was Jeremy, yeah. Um, so it was sort of my, you know, gang of actors who are, like, are the people who always, you know, read stuff for me when it's, you know. When, when it's it, new. It's when it's new. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I love that so many of them ended up in the actual show. So beautiful. Yeah. Wait, so you just mentioned the Two River mm-hmm. Theater yeah, yeah. reps yeah. Mm-hmm. were present at this first presentation mm-hmm. of some of the show. Yeah. 
why were they there? They were there because Two Rivers technically commissioned Be More Chill. And so how that happened was I, uh, I, I had, had had a relationship with Two River. Um, platonic. Uh, <laughs> platonic, yes, very much so. Yeah, pre-Be More Chill, platonic. Uh, I, I had performed there a couple times in these sort of new songwriter nights. You know, uh, Two River has a really strong connection with the NYU Graduate Musical Theater Writing Program, uh, where I went. And so I did. Uh, I did a couple a couple nights uh, as you know one of many writers in these concerts, and they really liked uh, these two songs that I did, which were uh, Helen um, from Things to Ruin and uh, Run Away from You, which is my song about uh, a werewolf. And uh, both songs were sung by uh, Jason Sweetooth Williams, and uh, and Two River you know, made it really clear that they wanted to do something with me. I wanted to do something with them. Like, let's develop something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. these two it, songs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, let's actually, you know, make a make a new musical if we can. And so that was sort of ongoing, separate from Be More Chill. Joe Trace was really close with John Diaz, who is the artistic director of Two River Theater, because he knew him through, uh, I think, through the public, through some sort of, you know, um, uh, playwriting program that Joe had done at the public. And so uh, when we first started working on Be More Chill, um, our agent said, why don't we see if Two River is interested in commissioning the show and, and, and developing it? And uh, and that's what happened. And again, sort of like in, in the same way that uh, Trace and I just really easily slid into writing the show, uh, it was we really easily slid into writing it for Two River. You know, we, we told them the idea and they said, great. We like it. We like you. Let's do it. It was just the most no drama uh, birth of a show I've ever experienced. Was Ned Vizzini, the author of the book, Be mm-hmm. More Chill, yeah. alive at this time? He was alive, yeah. And so I spoke to Ned uh, on the phone probably, uh, I think we spoke three times. Okay. Um, and he, he was so kind. He was so nice. He... Uh, 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 really loved Be More Chill. Um, it meant a lot to him. He had spent years trying to get it made as a movie, and it fell apart. And so he was a little bit, you know, sort of scarred from that, but was really excited about the idea of it becoming a musical. He was like really upfront about um, not knowing anything about musicals. And so every time we spoke, you know, anytime he sort of, you know, gave an opinion about the script or character or whatever, he, um, he would always, uh, you know, say... He preface it with... Yeah, 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 but I don't, I don't know anything about musicals. I don't know anything about musicals. But you and, weren't sending him material along the way, nor no, did you have to. No, so we didn't have to, and so it was decided that we were going to wait to send him anything until he could come see a reading of the full show because, you know, a lot of times with uh with with authors or you know people who are sort of rights holders of of um of property um who aren't theater people it's hard for them sometimes to wrap their head around the process of making Mm -hmm. a new musical and so a lot of times people are really careful about when in the process they uh will show you know the original author the original you know director whoever this material would he have had the right to shut it down if he didn't like it i am i think yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i i imagine he would but it's um you know he didn't have like approval over things it wasn't that kind of thing he he didn't he did not want to be uh involved in that way he was totally excited by it and was totally um i think i think um 
he I think there's a world where he would have been a, a real presence in our process, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't an author who was like, you know, I need to be there every moment. You have to, you know, have this character and this character. Mm-hmm. You must include this. Um, he really respected so he the process. It to you guys. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, he liked us a lot. And he, um, what our, our first conversation, uh, you know, I was just sort of talking about what I thought the music would sound like. And, you know, I talked about how I thought it, the vibe was going to be John Hughes meets John Carpenter. And he loved that. And and I said, you know, I think the music will be kind of like a geek rock pop. It's really synthy experience like um, like, you know, like Weezer or something. And that was the example I used. And he was like, like, oh, I love Weezer. You know, maybe maybe we should see if we if we could get Rivers Cuomo, the lead singer of Weezer, to to write some music for this. And I just remember thinking, like, um, we will not be doing that <laughs> because I am the one who is writing the music me, for this. Let me explain what I'm saying to you, <laughs> Yeah. What I meant was yes. just it will harken a, a, a back in a feeling, too. Right, right, right. right. We're yeah. just going to summon that up. We're going to summon that up. tell you what's not happening. <laughs> yeah. But Weezer, if you're listening, right. we hope you come see the show. Yes, please. Please, Rivers. Yes. Um, and the other thing on that first phone call that, that Ned said that I loved and always think about is that he, so he had seen two musicals. He saw Wicked and he saw Hairspray. And um, he uh, he did not love Wicked, but he loved Hairspray. And he really loved in Hairspray the moment when the poster um, comes alive. Like there's uh, this moment where like this, you know, the, the, the backup group Dynamites, uh, they're on a poster in the street in Baltimore. And then uh, it sort of comes alive and like the it becomes this like real life backup group. And he really liked uh, liked that moment a lot. I always think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So this reading happens at the agency. Yeah. Is there magic in the air? Like what's the reaction the moment you sort of play the final note? Um, no, no magic. It was sort of it was the first that first like the first reading was so in process. It and it very much felt like, oh, there's there's something here. It was like there's a glimmer of something. Okay. There are some nice mm-hmm. songs and there's glimmers some glimmers of magic. Glimmers of magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing more than a glimmer. And then um, this is this is very insane. But we, after that reading, we went as a group. All of and Tepper was there and you know, everyone was there. We went to uh, to get a drink at this bar, Vintage, on Ninth Avenue, and it was their last night, and they were closing. Sure, they were. Yeah, because Iconis. I know it's like Iconis is back here. Horrifying! I'm like a steamroller. Yeah, don't come over to my house. <laughs> yeah, jeez. So you continue on your way, but mm-hmm. Two Rivers, like we want, we're we're still in. Still we're in. We're gonna do this. Yeah, still in, and they they were very committed to take it to production, which also isn't the case all the time. You know, a lot of theaters will commission something, but never actually do it. You know, but Two River was like, no, we think that there's a lot of promise here. Want to keep working on it, so um, we you know developed it, which just means that we you know kept writing it and, and reading it, reading out loud it, for and like oh yeah, and getting you know a lot of notes, so many notes, notes and notes and notes, um, and uh, we just kept working on it, and so then we did our first like official 29 hour reading um which is where it's the full show and there's a full cast of people and you do from start to finish and everyone learns the music and it feels like a you know like a like a uh, an a it, it it feels like oh this is what the show is without it being staged is there at any point a director um yes there is there so we had we had a director who was with Be More Chill uh, pre-Stephen Brackett. 
Okay. And, and for this 29-hour workshop, mm-hmm. is there a director that is not Stephen Brackett? There is a director who is not Stephen Brackett. Okay. And the director, uh, who was totally, totally great, very wonderful, um, he was a, a very uh, sparkly, credentialed, uh, sort of classic musical comedy director. And um, and and initially, the the idea was that uh, how... How cool would it be to have this, you know, this show that felt like so young and hip and edgy directed by this dude who is known for just doing like, you know, classic musical theater with like a capital C. Um, And so he was the director of this this, you know, reading that we did. And, um, did he cast it, or did you bring in the people you wanted for the workshop? Um, a little column A, a little column B. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, I had some people who I um, you know who I brought with me. Um, you were like, I'd love these guys to do the twenty nine hour mm-hmm. workshop. Of course. And then there was a couple people that he was sort of like, oh, what about this person, this person? And so it was sort of a mixture. But I will say that it was it was the majority of my uh, my people also because this director just wasn't as familiar with um, the type of actor that we were all looking for. And he, to his credit, was very much like, listen, I don't like I don't know like young weird people. <laughs> so, so I'm open. Yeah. So let's like, you know, bring some people in. Great. Uh, which was great. And so um, and so we uh, set about doing this and it was in uh, January of 2014. Great. Uh, on 49th Street. So it was winter. It was winter. It was cold. Yes, in a building that no longer exists. Of course not, because you were there. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. It was in the you Davenport just, Studios. You just burn everything down. Whatever. Yeah. Joe said a fire. <laughs> okay. like, I'm it's worried my, about this podcast. It's my studio. thing. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Let's all evacuate. You know what? It's okay. Yeah. Because it means something great has also happened mm-hmm. at the same That's time right. for art in That's general. True. That's right. Um, and so we had we had this reading. It was the first ever reading of, of the show, you know, from start to finish and it was crazy because Ned Vizzini um, he 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 committed suicide he died right before that reading he um, he committed suicide on December 19th 2013 and I was at my uh, I was at my Christmas show is at 54 below it was the day of the Christmas show the day of our tech and um, and my agent called me and said that Ned had killed himself, sort of, you know, it, and obviously unexpected. Um, but it was so it was so hor- horrible, obviously, um, for so many reasons. But uh, the thing that I just still cannot believe is that he never heard any anything from the show. And at that time, we had a few demos, like we had like Michael in the bathroom and and stuff like that, and everyone. Uh, was so insistent that he not hear anything until he could come to the reading and see the full thing. And uh, and we knew, and he was invited, he was coming. Like, we knew when the reading was, it was a month later, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it was just the, the, the most insane, horrible thing. So we did that reading, and Two River said, okay, we're going to commit to doing the show. We're going to make it happen. And so then we were in... Um, sort of development stuff for a year and then our original director uh we ended up um parting ways with him just because he was super busy he was working on 10 million shows um and he just it the schedules just didn't line up and so then we found ourselves in need of a director and this all kind of went down like um uh this went down like late fall early winter of 2000 
and and 14. And and so we were just about to go into production for Be More Chill at Two River, uh, which happened in the spring of 2015. And uh, that's when we hooked up with Stephen Brackett, who was the director who I... Uh, I had loved for years and I had worked with on lots of little things like he directed this crazy play that I wrote some songs for um, uh, that Nick Jones wrote uh, and he directed uh, the one uh, one woman show of um, this great uh, actor writer named Katie Shore who's the wife of Lance Rubin who's one of my best friends who I wrote a musical with and so Stephen had always sort of been in my in my world mm-hmm. um, and he uh, he came on board the project, and it was just kind of like shot out of a cannon from there. He helped drive it forward. He yeah. was the perfect person at the helm. Mm-hmm. You cast up yeah. for Two River. Yep. Uh, do you use a casting director, or are you still able to kind of harness the the goodwill and on both <laughs> sides of performer and you, yeah. you loving these people? Yeah, we uh, we did use a casting director. Um, you know, there were some people from our first reading uh, who everyone loved, like George Salazar um, and Eric William Morris, who played Squip. And um, and in that first reading, Lauren Lauren Marcus was still reading Christine. Uh, and um, and everyone loved her, but sort of felt like, oh, I don't know if that role is like, you know, if that's like the best, if that's like the best idea for that role. Um, and so uh, and so the cast ended up being a a collection of people who had been with the the show, people who I knew who had worked with me for years, um, people who I was a fan of, but had never gotten a chance to work with. Um, you know, like Gerard Cronico and uh, Will Connolly. And then a few people who I was not familiar with who kind of came in and... Um, uh, did they audition? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody auditioned. Yeah, even the people you knew. Yeah, yeah. Because artistic directors and Stephen Brackett and everyone needed to see them. Everyone needed to see them. And it's, you know, and it's just it's just the way... It's just the way it is, you know. And, and so all of these, all of these people who you know I work with for years and years like when when we do something like this they 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 have to audition and for me it's like I don't ever want I don't ever ever want anyone to say that I'm like you know sort of forcing these people in or anything and so um are you playing the piano for people's auditions or are you behind no, no, the no. table watching behind the table watching so when everyone comes in who's your friend yeah by the way Lauren Marcus is also your wife yeah did yeah, she yeah. have to audition oh yeah okay that's the craziest thing ever. Yeah. Right. Sure. So how do you talk about that? Like, you know, hey, uh, let's pretend we don't know each other. Like, it's, does she ask you to leave when it's you so weird. come in, when she comes in? Like <laughs> no, just for mine? It's just the weird. It's just the weirdest it's thing. Just the and hard it's just part. yeah, it's the hard part, and it's just a, a it's a necessary evil. And you know, from the very beginning, when I first started doing this, and I first started, you know, sort of doing this whole family thing, right? I I said I'm never gonna put someone in something um, who I who I wasn't a hundred percent behind artistically for that part for that part right who I would not lay down on train tracks for I just yeah. won't I won't do it and that's just the promise that I've made to myself and so because of that um, I feel like you know I it 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 sucks but I I you know I can be honest with people and it's just it's. It, it, it just is what it is, you know? Um, and then having said that, I will also fight, you know, vigorously and viciously for people who I truly believe deserve to have a part. And I feel like it's, I, I refuse to accept that someone's not going to get a part because 
of the perception of them being friends with me mm-hmm. or, you know, or knowing me in some way because also theater is so small. It's like everyone knows. Of course they know everyone you. Everyone knows everyone. Right. And it's like, and everyone's I, married to everyone. Of course. Or, or you know, or, or everyone's doing something with everyone. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, be, for me, it's like I have the relationships I actually have with these people are their real relationships. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to not bring someone up because my relationship is real as opposed to, you know, uh, whatever. Not even. A... Okay, I will just say though the 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 even one spouse auditioning mm-hmm. that is that is a little unusual. That's super that, weird. That, that's super weird. That is above and beyond weird. And mm-hmm. all hail uh, Joe and Lauren for getting through those moments. Yeah, I, but you know we're really uh, we're really good about not we're really good about not being like. You know, again, uh, finger quotes, married, like, in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, both of us hate the idea of anyone being like, oh, you know, of course she's going to be in it. Or like, oh, right. you know, of course she's doing that show with him. Right. Um, and so we just like people to sort of, you know, meet. We want to be. We want people to meet us on our own terms. And then, you know, along the way when someone's like, wait, you're married? That's our favorite thing. You know, someone yeah. had no idea. Um, and so, uh, yeah, but her, her audition, her audition was hilarious because she, you know, she was auditioning for a part that she didn't play in the reading, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so it really, it, it, I didn't know if she was gonna get it, you know? And it's like, as much as I, you know, can fight for people at a certain they point. They have to be right. They have to be right, you yeah. know? Um, but she was so amazing and everyone was like, oh, uh, there's, you know. It would be hard, I'd be hard pressed to imagine anyone else yeah. as Brooke um, <laughs> at this point. Anyway, so you go to Two River, mm-hmm. uh, you have assembled your cast. You have your mm-hmm. director. Yeah. Um, do songs change? Are new songs added at that point? Yeah, yeah. I wrote a few songs in uh, during the rehearsal process for Two River. Um, I write a lot. I write a lot in the room. I um, obviously am very inspired by uh, actors, and so uh, as much as I write a show before we ever set foot in the room. Um, I I invariably rewrite so much as soon as people are you know performing the material, um, and I you know I like to sort of wrap the the roles and wrap the material around the human beings who are performing it, and so that just leads to you know new yeah, new discoveries, and it leads to sometimes new songs. Yeah. Or, uh, and so I wrote um, I wrote uh, two player game in rehearsal. Uh, because watching Will and George, you were like, I mm-hmm. see what this relationship is. Yes, and two player game used to be this song called Level Up, and I uh, and the only the thing that it uh, shares in common with the current two player game is just to find the bad guy, push him aside, then move on forward. That that sort of rap thing um, that was in Level Up, but then the rest of Level Up was different. And I, I just and people people always liked the song. It was actually a really popular song in the show. Anytime we did readings, and I just hated it. I just, mm. The song is like not doesn't work. This isn't correct. Um, and it sounded a lot like another song that I won't say what it is. Uh, in but the it, show or a song in the world? A song in the world. Okay. It's song. Yeah, it's uh, like a, a like a, a a rock song from the the seventies. Uh, and it just and as soon as I heard it, I was like I could never unhear it. And it's like mm-hmm. I'm not letting the song like be in my yeah. musical because it was just driving me crazy. Uh, and so um, and so I I tried to rewrite it, but I just couldn't. And then as soon as you know, sort of Will Connolly and and George Salazar were doing their thing. Uh, in rehearsal, uh, I was like, "Oh, I, I know, I know what this what this should be," and that's when the whole 
um, you know, Guys Like Us Are Cool in College idea kind of came into the song. And I wrote it really fast. I wrote it in Ripley Greer, where which is the rehearsal studio that we rehearsed for Two River at. Um, you rehearsed in New York City for the Two River, which is a New Jersey mm-hmm. theater production. Yeah, we rehearsed in New York City for, I think, a, a, either one or two weeks. And then we finished rehearsals in New Jersey. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I wrote it in the in the New York City uh, piece of the 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 rehearsal process um, and wrote it really quickly. I it was like a, they were doing the scene in one room. I went into another room and just kind of like just wrote it. What do you mean? It. <laughs> what do you mean, Sam and I? I mean, yeah, I, that I just blew my I mind. I love you, Sam, but I'm not aware, and I know something about you, but I don't think of you as like a songwriter. No. Right. So most people, <laughs> mm-hmm. like what you just said, yeah. like, and then I went to the moon, and then I came back, and yeah. I showed everyone how to go to the moon. <laughs> Can you just explain mm-hmm. how the muse in Joe Iconis works? It works. Uh, it works differently depending on the, the circumstances. Um, I tend to do very well when I'm in a highly pressurized situation. And I tend to do very well when I'm uh, sort of fully immersed in an artistic process. Okay. And so I, um, you know, my, my process is always, I just, I obsess over things. I think about whatever, whether it's the, you know, the song lyric or the music or both. Uh, I think so much about what I'm going to write before I ever actually sit down to write. Um, and so I think when I'm, that that same sort of thing happens um, uh, when I'm, you know, in rehearsal for something and, and write something, but uh, it's because there's this, like, this deadline because I know that, oh, in three weeks we're going to be on a stage, whether I like it or not, whether I write the song or not, we're going to, you know, we're going to be there. And and it's this sort of, like, really stressful, highly pressurized situation um, that just sort of, I think, accelerates my <laughs> my creative process and just, you know, like, kicks the muse up to 11 and, um, and you know, allows me uh, to um, be I kind of, you know, three steps ahead of myself when I actually sit down to to write. And generally speaking, if you had like if if I was a betting man in mm-hmm. Vegas, do you generally start with playing a tune out on a piano? Do you generally hear the words or, or is there no like is there not it, it, a it, constant in that way. It's usually lyric driven. Uh-huh. It's like 90% of the time. And did you lyric hear driven. like one of them say to the other, you know what, but like I was cool in college. Like are these things that like sometimes you'll hear someone say and then be like, oh, oh. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It, it usually comes out of conversation mm-hmm. uh, with my collaborators, you know. And so I, I'll just like talk something to death with them, and I'll, you know, we'll talk about, um, uh, you know, like for for example, like the, um, you know, like the 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 pants song in the show. Um, you know, that was a song that didn't exist for a long time, and um, and a song that I wrote for that that first reading in 2014, and that came out of all these conversations with Joe Trace, and and just being like, what does this song want to be about? Like, what is he trying to say? And um, Joe Trace, you know, said like, oh, well, it's like, you know, he's like showing him that, you know, when you love someone, you know, you put your pants on, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what that song is, you know. But did you have any idea what that means? Um, 
not at first, but then, you know, then I figured it out. <laughs> what, what he meant by that, like yes. what the metaphor is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, when you love someone, you can also take your pants off. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it goes yeah. so many directions, <laughs> but not in this one. Right, not in this one, no, quite the opposite. Right, um, so that but was it's a that, thing so he it's, said, and, yeah. it, and it sparked a creative mm-hmm. idea for you, and they were like, I know what you mean. Yeah, and in that in that instance, it was, you know, a, a, almost a, a, a literal, you know, sentence fragment mm-hmm. that then became the song, but in something like, you know, to play your game, game i i uh i i i the the conversations were you know about the character of michael and what what he's trying to do for jeremy and what he's hoping to get out of jeremy and um and then i you know just sort of thinking about him and thinking about why is michael so um why is michael so uh confident in a way that other characters in the show aren't confident and um you know arriving at this idea of like oh he is you know aware he's more aware of how he sort of fits into the world um and has this you know he he knows that his forward thinking nature yeah 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 Yeah. you know and that was sort of the thing that like got me to to guys like us are cool in college are you a video game guy nope so that's just Heavens like no. I have a sense that there's a bad guy. It, and oh yeah. Push him aside. Oh my and gosh. It's just all made up. Made made the fuck up. <laughs> I um I'm just not I'm not a gamer, and so many fans of Be More Chill are gamers. And Joe Trace is you know he's 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 not like full blown gamer, but he's like a lot more aware he of the, the world. Language. Yeah, and I love I love the culture of it. I love you know the gamer type person. I just don't know it at all. And so for me, when I was writing that song, I was like I'm like making up this you know game called apocalypse of the damned because it fit into our our sort of larger you know zombie um thing and be more chill uh and uh but yeah it's just me it's just me faking it such a great authentic feel to it because also your actors are so committed to it oh yeah yeah but for me you know i'm so obsessed with in things like that um having it having anything that's sort of dealing with Anything that's like you know technological or any um, like sort of nuts and bolts thing, I always feel like it's not it's not actually about that. It's about the people, mm-hmm. you know. And so for me, um, it's not it's not it's not a song about a video game. It's they're they're playing a video game, and it's and it's and well, and it's, it's a song about life, isn't it's, it? Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> like, sure. You know, just like yeah. this is them surviving. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's like they just they're you know they're they're two boys who like the roles that they have to play in their lives or like they're two boys who sit in a bedroom and they play a video game and then they have to figure out how to have a conversation around that video game but it's not about the actual video game in the same way that like the smartphone hour isn't actually about texting it's you know it's about the information that is passed um and so uh with things like like that i always feel like it's better that i don't know you know gaming terms because it's not you know i would hate to write a song where it's just like you know in jokes and and laugh lines that are you know clever you know, turns of phrase based on like specific references from, you know, well, it's Zelda evergreen now. I it's, mean, now yeah, you yeah. can listen to this show 20 mm-hmm. years from it, it doesn't matter. There will be some kind of game, right? And right. no one would actually know what you know Mario Kart is it, at yeah, that point, exactly. Which, or, exactly. or <laughs> yeah. I guess Mario Kart is very tame and adorable, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, um, did the, did the show continue to evolve and change throughout the production at Two River in terms of material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we kept working on it all through our previews, and it definitely, definitely felt like a, we didn't finish it. We just put a pause button on it. You know, when we when, when we froze the show there, 
everyone involved thought like, okay, we did we did our best mounting this very ambitious you know new American musical uh, at this gorgeous regional theater, and let's open this thing, and then let's keep working on it and see what happens next. So it definitely felt like um, we were giving people the best show we could, but there was more to do. And were you thrilled with it? Um, yeah, I thought it was not to lead the witness, but right. did you feel like you like this is in great shape? I'm oh, proud of this. Oh yeah, I was really, I was really happy with it, and I thought there were moments that were um, everything that I would want from a musical that I was uh, involved with. Um, yeah, I was really happy with it. You know, and then there were moments that were not my favorite, but I it. It felt like, uh, yeah, that's you know, we did the best we we did the best we could with the time we had. And is Joe Trace able to be at rehearsal? Mm-hmm. And I'm, so oh yeah, hundred percent there. Writing in L.A. at the time. No, 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 no. no. Joe, Joe Trace is very involved in the process. Um, I just like to harass him for moving to L.A. Well, we will we'll have him on the podcast, and he'll be able to weigh in on, nice. on what Good. it was like to be harassed. Great, <laughs> great. <laughs> and the suit that just is trying to yeah pub. bully him back. So. When something really remarkable happened, which is maybe unusual, maybe not, uh, which is a cast recording was made Mm -hmm. of this production. Yeah. How did that come to be? So what happened was there was a ton of um, momentum going for Be More Chill when we were in. How? How did that happen? It was just sort of, you know, word of mouth and. And people, you know, seeing the show in previews and hearing songs and, you know, people talking. And it was we opened right after the right after the Tony Awards in 2015. And so, you know, it was like that's like a, you know, this time in the theater community when there's just parties and everyone's yeah. talking to each other. And so everyone was like, oh, my gosh, be more chill, be more chill, be more chill. So I've heard like it's great. I've heard up, it's great. Coming from Jersey to the city. There's like a mm-hmm. buzz in New York yes, City yes, yes. in the community. Yes. And then how I, you know, how that how that reaches me is you know people you know emailing me being like oh, I've heard the show is great I'm gonna come and then you know the theater being like oh this producer requested tickets this you know amazing so theater coming. requested tickets you're gonna come to see the show and so we uh, so we it was feeling really good and it was feeling like oh my gosh this could be the one that you know moves on for me because I had sort of had a whole bunch of shows leading up to this that um, also had this kind of momentum um, and then for one reason or another didn't didn't happen and so we opened and uh, we uh, we got uh, we got a very uh, mixed, apathetic, uh, dismissive review from Do the New York Times. Um, yeah, for sure. I read the I read the the Times mm-hmm. review um, just because for, uh, you know, for my whole career that has it my this the future life of my shows has hinged on that mm-hmm. um and i you know and it, it happened to me multiple times and then happened again with be more chill so what is that for you um it's it's really really difficult you know and i it's hard because i am someone who you know i i grew up going to to musicals i was such a theater kid i was so aware of the theater scene so i was a kid who would like you know, I would read reviews of every single show mm-hmm. that came out and I would take them so personally right. if it was a show that I loved that did not get the review that I thought it deserved, you right. know. They were robbed. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And I and I I saw, you know, from I've seen literally from seeing Little Shot of Horrors in 1987, I was just so aware of the theater, you know, seasons and how little shows get to go to Broadway. And, you know, and I I'd, I'd known that you 
un- unless unless you have a show that's based on a on a huge property, unless you have a star, unless you have a you know a star producer backing you, whether mm-hmm. publicly or secretly, if you have a little show, the, the, the only way you're gonna get it off Broadway and then on Broadway is from a great New York Times review. Like that's just that's what right. happens. That's, that's that's how it works. Yeah. And so you know, and for me, I'm I'm I've probably been overly obsessed with that in my career, but it just it just has happened to me many times. And so uh, and so, are you at like an opening night party? Does it happen in the traditional sense of the way it does in New York? Like, does the review come out the first night of your performing? No. So it does. Uh, so in in New York, it'll come out the right. the night of. And uh, when you do a show regionally, it'll be like a couple days later. Which so you've is you've had your opening night. You've had the great party. Yes. And then three days later. Yes, you get this like sucker punch. Yes, and it's and just I mean it's just the worst because you know for me I'm like you know I'm I'm it's all I can think about. Mm-hmm. It's like being in the worst you know purgatory. Do you go into like a room by yourself to look at it? Does someone call you and tell you like how do you? So every what's the setup for you? <laughs> every time every time this has happened to me, I have. Um, I have, you know, had a cell phone and I've just been obsessively refreshing mm-hmm. the page on my mm-hmm. cell phone. So no matter where I am. Right. And so, you know the day it's coming out generally. It, yeah, sometimes for Beam Mitchell, I did not. Okay. We just knew it was kind of going to be like these few days. Um, and so I <laughs> I was with, uh, I when I read the Ruby Mitchell review, I was with my uh, my good buddy Jeremy Morse. Um, uh, and he we were- He was holding your hand. It was, yeah, he, we were at, we were at Sardi's. And uh, I was getting a drink with him because he he was doing waitress at the time, mm-hmm. and out of town, and uh, and he knew, you know, he knew because we had he had done Blood Song of Love. We had, he's he's you know he's like a good friend. He's very aware of my. And he's been in the trenches with you oh. before. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it came out as we, as we were there, and he was just like, oh god, oh god, oh no, oh no. And I was I have to go, I have to go, to Jeremy. Yeah. And he was like, go go man, yeah. I'm so sorry. Of course you do. And then truly, you know. And you walk home. Like, yeah, you just walk home. Um, yeah. And just, you know, just crying and like truly because it's sound- literally. Oh, literally. Oh, please. Yeah. 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 It's it sounds so ridiculous, but it really is. Um, it's the death it's of like a dream. A, it's like a death. It's yeah. something that I've been working on for years and years and years that I I knew was over. Mm-hmm. I just knew it. And I, I've you know, my whole career, I've tried to be so positive and I'm I will never, you know, anytime I've gotten a review that has stopped the process of a new musical that I've, I've worked on, I have done every single thing I possibly could to see if I could get around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was never able to do that. But with, um, with Be More Chill, uh, yeah, it was just such a, just such a bummer. And, you and know, like, wait, I tried it a new way. Mm-hmm. This is adapted material. Exactly. Like, adapted really? material. So, so nothing. So <laughs> right. nothing. Right, right, yeah. right. Very okay. much, Got very it. much that, you know, That's it was my this... karmic path yes. in this lifetime. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. You know, and then it just casts such a it's it's just it, it's so challenging. You know, then after the review, then all, you know, anyone who was going to come see the show, most people who were going to come see the show, they Did don't. Not. And then they, you know, and I and I, I totally get it. I get it. You know, and then there's all uh, reasons, 10 million reasons that are not <laughs> the review. Mm-hmm. But it, it happens. It happens every time. It's right. just you know. You're already trying to get them to come to New Jersey. Exactly. Now, They're not going to yeah. come for yeah. you know a show that already has the New York Times has said like Put the no no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then you know it's the kind of thing where I'll be like watching, 
you know, I would watch Michael in the bathroom the week after, you know, that happens and <laughs> the week when it was clear the show is not going to ever move on. And I would just think, like, I think this is so good. Mm-hmm. I think it's so good. This this theater of people who don't who don't really care about, you know, right. that they're just seeing actual audience members. Yeah. yeah. Like they're loving this, mm-hmm. like loving it. And it's and and, you know, with something like that, I I. I, because you know, I I love I love actors so much. Like I I look at George Salazar's performance and think like this is it it is a crime that people are not going to get to see this after you know two weeks. Well, how ironic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How ironic yeah. because that very thing, mm-hmm. someone or two, yeah, ha- had a phone mm-hmm. and they started <laughs> filming it. Yeah, and someone filmed it professionally mm-hmm. when you made the cast recording. Yeah. And I know Kurt Deutsch and, and others at, at Ghostlight Records had been fans of yours before. So together with Two River, they made the cast recording? Yeah. And so the ca- the cast recording happened uh, really because, yes, Ghostlight and Two, Two River paid for it, mm-hmm. which is also unheard of. Thank you, Two River. Thank you, Two River. Cast- what foresight? Like, that's extraordinary oh. that they did that. This is not a huge, this is not a huge producing theater. No, 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 no. I mean, it's a beautiful theater. Right. It's gorgeous. But, they- but their budget does not allow, and we're oh. going to make a recording after right. the show. Right, 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 right. And and cast recordings are so expensive. I mean, extraordinarily expensive. Mm-hmm. And you got to bring in the bathtub. It's oh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, the b- bathtub's <laughs> the alone. Bathtub alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Two River said, we are very proud of the show. We love the show. We uh, think that it deserves to be preserved. And we're going to do it. And they they did it, and Ghost and Ghost Kurt Deutsch came to the show, and he was like, "This is amazing. This mm-hmm. needs to be preserved. It just does." Yeah. And so they just made it happen. And I have to say that I, if it was up to me, that cast recording wouldn't have happened. Um, not for me wanting to get in the way of it, but I was so uh, disappointed and sort of broken by the experience and knowing that we were going to close and nothing was going to happen with it. That I just kind of felt like, "Whatever. Who cares? Like, right. fine. Yeah. You know. You do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like if you want to do it. Oh, great." Awesome. I'll get excited about it, but I just felt like, what is what is the point of right. of spending years working but on these musicals? You're not going to be the engine for right. this as well. Right, right, right. Like you've been the engine for everything. Exactly, else. exactly. Um, and so they did it, and we recorded very soon after we closed, and um, and it uh, and it you know it was great uh, the recording, and I loved the album. I, I thought it sounded beautiful, and um, you know it was very involved with my you know self and Charlie Rosen and. And Kurt and everyone. He's the musical director. Uh, yeah, musical director yeah. and uh, well, a musical arranger, right? Arranger. So he did the orchestrations sure. and he supervised and um, and so we released it. Uh, we released it on Halloween of 2015, and I was doing a Halloween concert at the Lurie Beachman Theater, and I was like, we should have, we should make that like a release party, right? <laughs> you know, and everyone's yeah. like, if you want to, sure, yeah. fine. Uh, and so I, you know, I essentially. So you did the concert, and then you did you then play was the concert at all connected to be more chill music or was it totally no, other it was songs? totally other it was like a halloween concert that i was doing anyway okay. and i was like we should have a it was like we should have a party right <laughs> you know yeah um and so i was like why don't i make my concert a little party for it was like very much like throwing myself my own birthday party mm-hmm. you know um so you had a listening party essentially yeah yeah and did you guys after your concert did you play through the whole album at the at the beachman yeah at, yeah. Or, at, at the west bank upstairs okay. you know at the bar afterwards um, but I, uh, I don't, I don't listen to my own stuff a lot. And, um, but when, when Be More Chill, uh, came out on Halloween, on Halloween morning, I was like, oh, I want to listen. I want to listen to it to, and pretend I'm like someone who's, mm-hmm. you know, like hearing it for the first time. Uh, and 
I was going to Party City to get uh, supplies and like decorations for my Halloween show that night. And I left my apartment and I was walking to Party City on 34th Street. And by the time I got to 34th Street, it was the end of More Than Survive um, with the with the Nanas. And I have such a vivid memory of um, again of uh, just hysterically crying on 34th Street, listening to the end of More Than Survive. And and thinking like I genuinely think this is really good. Like I think, <laughs> I think this is very very good. And I don't understand what what people want uh, if it is not if it is not this, or if this is not allowed to be given the same opportunities that so many other things have. Because I don't know how to do better than this. So when this podcast is out in the world, mm-hmm. people will know what ended up happening. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the beauty of this story, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. What kept you going? So here's like time after time, mm-hmm. you listen to that, you're weeping, you go to Party City, you buy some <laughs> Halloween stuff, yeah. you do the show that night, you play it again, yeah. and now remarkably, like many people are in agreement with you, and mm-hmm. they're really not crying, they're just like, oh my God, this it's is great. amazing. Yeah, yeah, how cool. Um, Like, how do you, from that, not knowing... Two years later, mm-hmm. I guess is the timeline. Yep, two years. That that's sort of like something strange is happening. <laughs> um, what is it? It's it's it, alive, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, it's risen from the mm-hmm. dead. How did you keep going? I just, you know, it's like what I've always done. I just keep working on new things. You know, I I always I I I. For for most of my career, I really believed that something would would break Mm -hmm. for me and for the people who I work with and that it would put me at the level that I have been, you know, trying to get at since 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, but it really around like by after be more chill, things changed a little bit for me. And I kept, I kept working on a million things. So it changed in that you were not broken. You are momentarily broken. Mm -hmm. You let yourself have all your feelings deeply, but you're not, they haven't broken you. No. The, the, no. Whoever they are, yeah. the New York Times or whoever <laughs> the powers that be are that are determining who gets to go to the next level. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They do not break your spirit. No, 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 no. I got close, but I never I never stopped. I never I never, you know, took a break. Um, which like maybe I should have, but I just I just couldn't, you know, and I um and then I did a you know, I, I after Be More Chill I wrote this musical called Broadway Bounty Hunter that was the Barrington Stage Company the summer after Be More Chill in two thousand and sixteen and um and that had sort of a similar trajectory uh to Be More Chill, uh where, you know, we weren't able to get it um get it on a stage after its production and um but I just you know, I just kept kept going. But it, it definitely got harder and harder and harder and harder. Uh, just because it had happened to me so many times, of course, right? you know, I'm like working of on these shows. And the problem was that I, through all of this, I just kept feeling like I think that I feel like these shows are good. <laughs> you know, I truly, I truly liked them, and mm-hmm. I truly believed that there was artistic worth in what I was doing. And my, I saw with my own eyes how my work and the work of the artists that I collaborate with was affecting people. Like right. I, I saw it time and time again and, you know, I do this. How it resonates for an audience. In huge ways. Yeah. And like, I, you know, do these, these concerts, you know, I've, I've been doing iconos and family shows for, you know, whatever, 10, 11 years. And so I, I'm lucky enough to see it. I can, I'm in a room with, mm-hmm. you know, people reacting to my stuff and, 
and it it got to a point where like you know the the better the reaction you know the after the show it would just make me so sad please don't like it so much (laughs) yeah 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 because i'd be like what what is going on where it feels like actual human beings or like you know the like mark shamans of the world or the betty buckley's of the world are just like losing their minds over this stuff right but sadly they don't write for the new york times (laughs) right exactly yeah 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 yeah. or don't control like the keys to the kingdom in a certain way you know um, and so, yeah, it was it was challenging. It was a weird few years pre pre two thousand and seventeen with Be More Chill. Um, congratulations! Thanks. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Can't believe it. That was really awesome. <laughs> Hey, you can find us on Instagram at How to Be More Chill. And one quick thing before we go could you go to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen on and just take a moment to rate and review us? We would really appreciate it. And do not forget this is Alana. This is Sam. Tell us how to be more chill. Never hung with a girl like you before. I don't know if you know it, but I am sure that for me you are an upgrade. Hey there, I'm Kimberly Schmidt. Are you in love with the podcast you're listening to? Kevin Jager here. Did you know it's part of the Practically Perfect Broadway Podcast Network? And I'm Brian Plofsky. The Broadway Podcast Network features over 30 podcasts to feed the theater passion in all of us. Feed me, Seymour! Wait, over 30? I feel like I'm running out of time. It doesn't have to be agony because we have a very good place to start. Try out the Broad Wasted podcast with the three of us. And yes, it is what it sounds like. Join us every Tuesday for a hilarious happy hour with the best and brightest on Broadway. We drink, play games, share laughs, and did I mention drink with your favorite Broadway stars? From Jeremy Jordan, Patty Murin, Jessica Vosk, and Carolee Carmelo. To James Monroe Eigelhart, Sierra Bogus, George Salazar, and Alice Ripley. We have too much fun with too many friends of the show to mention. And on VPN, there's a whole new world of theater podcasts podcasting at your fingertips. Alongside the Broad Wasted podcast, you can discover other great established shows and exclusive podcasts that were made just for the BPN network. So defy gravity and fly on over to broadwaypodcastnetwork.com. Or go direct to our page at bpn.fm backslash broadwasted. And follow, follow, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at Broadwasted, and the network is Broadway Podcast Network. We just can't wait to be a part of your weekly theater podcast lineup. Thank Thank you and cheers! Zoot-doo-wop-bum! Thank you for listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to visit us online at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com, on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network, or on Twitter at BWAPod Network.